If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Let's start to follow the details now on today's edition of The Pulse. Now, the former Water and Sanitation Minister, Cecilia Abinadapa, walked out of an Accra High Court free and all her money and other items seized to be returned to her within 72 hours, following decision by the Office of the Special Prosecutor to discontinue all cases against her. This decision was taken after a series of in-camera, uh, in-chamber hearings on the matter. The Special Prosecutor, for months, now has had in its custody monies of Cecilia Abnadapa seized when her house was searched as part of the investigations. The office also froze some bank accounts of Cecilia Adapa for allegedly being tainted with corruption and corruption-related activities. But after seven months, the special prosecutor, Kisei Jabin, told the media that on the totality of the evidence gathered and intelligence, it became clear that the case is largely in the province of suspected money laundering. On 24 July 2023, the office placed Ms. Dapa under arrest on charges of corruption and corruption-related offenses. The office subsequently conducted searches in three residential properties associated with Ms. Dapa and Mr. Osekufo at cantonments, Abilinkpe and Tesano in Accra. The searches, which were carried out over a period of two weeks, led to the discovery of the cash sums of 590,000 
United States dollars and 2,730,000 cities. Ms. Dapa and Mr. Sekufo could not readily provide a reasonable explanation as to the sources of the cash sums. Authorized officers of the office seized the discovered cash sums on reasonable grounds that they were suspected tainted property. In accordance with Section 32.1 of the Office of the Special Prosecutor Act 2017, Act 959, as it was necessary to exercise the power of seizure to prevent concealment of the cash sums. The Special Prosecutor, considering it necessary to facilitate the investigations, issued a freezing order against the bank accounts and investments of Ms. Dapa, domiciled at Prudential Bank Limited and Societe General Ghana. Upon the refusal by the High Court to confirm the freezing and seizure orders in August 2023, the office re-seized the cash sums and refroze the bank accounts and investments and applied to the court again for confirmation. In FT 0074-2023, the Special Prosecutor versus Cecilia Abinadapa and Daniel Osekufo. Extensive investigation was conducted in-country involving 20 persons and three state institutions, and especially in the Ashanti region, to establish the financial standing of Ms. Dapa's deceased brother during his lifetime and at the time of his death, since it was alleged that a substantial portion of the customs belonged to Ms. Dapa's deceased brother. From October 2023, investigation became cross-border and transboundary upon the claim by the persons of interest that part of the seized cash sums was transported to Ghana from the United States. For that reason, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, FBI, of the United States became involved in a collaborative investigative work with the office on the matter. Investigation has been aimed at determining the sources of the large cash sums associated with Ms. Dapa and Mr. Osaikufo. The office has had the benefit of seven months of in-country and four months of collaborative transboundary investigation. Members of the press, on the totality of the gathered evidence and intelligence, it seems to us that the case is largely in the province of suspected money laundering and structuring. By operation of law, the Economic and Organized Crime Office, IOKU, has a specific and direct mandate in respect of suspected cases of money laundering and its an attendant activity of structuring. ...of the special prosecutor is referring the case to Yoko for continued investigation and further action. The office will be in close collaboration with Yoko and continued collaboration with the FBI. A little over an hour ago, the office discontinued its application that was pending before the High Court for a confirmation of the seizure and freezing orders in pursuance of the referral of the case to Yoko. The court ordered that the office should return the cash sums and defreeze the accounts of uh, an investment of Ms. Dapa within 72 hours. The office also discontinued the procedural criminal charge against Ms. Dapa for failure to return forms on declaration of property and income since that was mounted on the original application for confirmation of the seizure and freezing orders, which was discontinued earlier in time. Now the question
as to whether the entire exercise was a waste of time, Kisia Yaben disagrees. How do you sum it up? Does it suggest that perhaps not a thorough investigation went into it? That's how come all of this is up. Because from what, I've, from, from, from what you've told us, the Yoko angle perhaps looks more promising in terms of going on with this case. Elton, on the contrary, it is an extensive investigation of the of the FBI that has led us to this conclusion. If the Office of the Special Prosecutor had a direct mandate by law in respect of suspected money laundering and structuring, there will be no such referral. But to operate within the confines of the law, and since the law that created the OSP did not necessarily granted such a direct mandate in respect of uh, suspected money laundering. But the law that created the Economic and Organized Crime Office states specifically that they have a mandate in respect of uh, suspected money laundering. Now, after seven months of investigation, we have a body of uh, evidence. So if we have come to the conclusion that it suggests, it seems to us that it is more in relation to suspected money laundering, then the proper thing to do is to refer it to the uh, state institution which by law has a direct mandate as stated in the act. I'm Joseph Akabla. Uh, the first question has to do with um, the intervening period between now and when Yoko takes over. I know that the whole idea of the freezing and seizure order was to preserve those assets and prevent them from being dissipated. Uh, the court has given an order. Are there any plans to collaborate with Yoko for, perhaps for them to hold on to it within this period? And the second one, um, there are those who also make the point that uh, maybe at the initial levels, um, a careful analysis maybe would have led you to this conclusion even before you commenced. How do you react to those who say that from the onset they pointed you to this conclusion as one that you arrive at? All right. See, hindsight wisdom is always awesome. Those who are saying that are only doing so with hindsight wisdom. It's because we've had seven months of such extensive investigation to come to the conclusion we've arrived at. You cannot begin a case when you, uh, you cannot begin making conclusions on a case a week or two after commencing investigation. But after piecing together all, all your evidence and all the testimony and all, everything that you have done, something should then suggest to you. If after seven months we did not have anything, we will just let it go. You get it? But after seven months, I think that we should be commended that we've been able to do such extensive work and have international collaboration as part uh, 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 of this matter. That is to say, we left no stone unturned, and that is what is uh, uh, leading us to this uh, outcome, as I just announced. So once again, I'll say it is very nice to have hindsight wisdom, but we did not have the benefit of hindsight wisdom. We have arrived at the present wisdom through hard work and sheer grit. Um, I just want to, if there's an update on the payroll audit, which you announced at your last news conference with us, and whether you are getting the needed cooperation from those who are asking the question. And secondly, I'm just going through your, your half-year report. And if I, the one that came up in June, the one, the one that came up in January, almost a repetition of, the many cases before you and the ones you've you, you, you've come to a conclusion on the Charles Edu the issue about uh, the, the okay the the, the, the the other matters. My question is there's there's been a lot of repetition in most of the reports that you've come up with. And Ghanaians have faith in this office. 
to lead a fight against corruption. Should we continue to still have faith in you that the, the mandate you've been given will inure to the benefit of the country in view of the fact that after the establishment of the office, clearly for a lot of people, we are yet to see clear-cut conviction on the many cases that are before you. Thank you. The day you lose faith in this office is the day the soul of this country dies. See, the repetition you see is merely as a result of the period within which the law requires the office to report. Six months. See, even when you are prosecuting a matter in court, six months by the reckoning is like a day. You get it? If the law had required us to um, periodic um, uh, reports, let's say two years, three years, you won't see uh, this level of, of repetition. But what is so bad about repetition? Especially when the matter is still pending and the matter is not, is not, is not yet resolved. And you would see that although much of it looks like repetition, there's always a slight update in respect of the cases. Some are moved up in respect of the level at which the office has, has, has got into and whether the office is, is going to take uh, further action. So you see that case um, um, uh, reported in June that the office is still ongoing with the investigations. Then in December, you see that the office has concluded the investigation in respect of that matter and that the special prosecutor will be giving further directions uh, 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 along, along those lines. So that's the special prosecutor, Kisia Jabin, earlier this morning at the office of the OSP, updating us on decisions they've taken regarding the prosecution of former water and sanitation minister Cecilia Dapa. And of course, he also took advantage of the uh, press conference to update us on some of the cases that are before it. So we are now going to explore uh, what we're told this morning and to establish whether uh, the fight against corruption is still ongoing and whether or not you are surprised about the outcome of the special prosecutor's case against Madam Sijadapa, you can join us via uh, our social media handles and leave your comment there. But let me bring in now uh, Adam Senanu. He's with Send Ghana. He'll also be speaking to private legal practitioner Ni Papo Samoa Ado uh, with some perspective on the uh, matter. Uh, uh, Mr. Senanu, you welcome to the polls here on Joy News. Thank you for having me. Right. So you've been listening to uh, Mr. Kisia Jaben justifying the reasons why his office is unable to continue with the prosecution of Madame Cecilia Dapa and has referred aspect of the case to Yoko. What is your initial response to this? Well, I am delighted that they've been able to get to the point where the FBI has confirmed that some of these monies are tainted, which tells us that the the investigation was not without benefit. Mm. Uh, the challenge is that in our jurisdiction, the money laundering that the FBI has said, they, they feel that the significant reason to, to say that there's been money laundering comes under a different agency. And so now it will put to test 
the capacity for interagency collaboration to see this case to an end. And that's where uh, I see a challenge. But otherwise, uh, having stayed the course and brought the FBI on board and being able to establish that there is a, a problem, uh, I think that it is a justification for they having taken the effort to go through the process. But overall, are you satisfied with, it, with, with the way the, the OSP has handled this matter? Well, I think so. I think that um, two things have stood out in the course of this. One, the legal, the court challenges they've had where over and over again they were asked to defreeze and release. Uh, In my mind, uh, we should have a framework where once investigations are on, on, at least for a certain period, uh, perhaps at least about six months, the agency is allowed to do its investigation. Um, and I, I think the OSP needs to work much more strongly with the judiciary. I said that these things can happen because at the end of the day, the facts will be available to all of us to assess whether the conclusions they are drawing are valid or they are not. They don't have the legitimacy based on the facts and evidence adduced. So uh, I think that the court experiences tended to make us wonder are we working together or not? Um, I think that internally also, the fact that our law separates things into different agencies, maybe we need to look at that closely so that we are not having a situation where uh, somebody begins and along the line, you've got to give to somebody else and we're not too sure what the outcome will be. All right, so I just hold on for me there. Let me bring in private legal practitioner, Ni Papo Samoa Ado. Let me also pick his initial reaction to the announcement by the Office of the Special Prosecutor uh, this morning. Uh, 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 Counsel, you're welcome to the pause. You enjoy this. Uh, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to your listeners and your viewers. And it's great to have you here. So, first of all, let me ask you your initial reaction to the position taken by the OSP relating to Madame Cecilia Dapa. Well, I think it's the honorable thing to do. I mean, you wouldn't want a situation where you wouldn't want a situation where the a law enforcement agency realizes that it's the investigation or its jurisdiction um, has been is, you know invoked. It goes into a matter and realizes that well, the results of my investigations show that the matters are no longer matters that by law I am allowed to investigate. And yet, we we'll stubbornly hang on to those matters and pretend as if mm. it has a mandate to so to do. That was smart of persecution. So, it has gone into the matter. The OSP realizes that well, um, the investigations do not point me to offenses that my act allows me to investigate. But there is something that I think that another agency or law enforcement agency is more equipped and better um, placed or positioned to look into. So it has prepared the matter to Yoko, and it has mm. given hints that there are issues of money laundering and other things that must be looked at by Yoko. So now we would now expect the Economic and Organized Crime Office to now go into the matter and give us um, further and better, you know, clarification. So it is not as if Cecilia Dapa um, has been declared 
uh, or the investigations, let me put this, the investigations have been declared to have come to an end. No, another state agency is now being, you know, uh, being asked to look into this matter because investigations have pointed to another set of possible offenses which that agency is mandated to investigate. So I think as the media, your responsibility now is to go to Yoko and ask the executive director what he or she is doing in respect of the referral. One, has there been a referral? That's the first thing we must ascertain. Has the OSB by a letter and a docket referred this matter to the Yoko office? That's the first thing you must find out. Mm. Two, what are the details of the investigations that have been sent to Yoko? Um, has Yoko commenced any investigations? Have they invited Madame Cecilia Dapa? Have they taken a statement from her? Mm. Uh, what are the next steps that they are taking? Are they freezing the assets? Because now the matter is squarely in the hands of Yoko. And if we know Yoko's mandate, we know that where they are engaged in investigations and there are alleged proceeds of crime, the law allows them to go to court to seek a freezing order. Mm. So within these 72 hours, which the court has given to um, Mr. Uh, the OSP to release the funds, if indeed the OSP has acted proactively, mm-hmm. that's the key word, has acted proactively and has handed over the dockets and all information, relevant information to the Yoko office, I expect the Yoko office to be heading to court seeking a prison order on the said funds mm. because the OSP was categorical that the funds that were under investigations are possible proceeds of money laundering right. and structure. So there is enough for the Yoko office to at least, as a first step, seek a court order to freeze those assets. Right, so setting the Yoko angle aside, the OSC, OSP initial road, the road that it took was to establish the fact that the money it had taken from the home of Madame Cecilia Dapa were tainted property and then went on to also uh, institute another uh, case against her where the OSP said that she failed to declare her assets and property when uh, the form was provided to her. These were the two matters that initially engaged the attention of the OSP and later the angle of the money laundering came in. Do you think upon the hand side if we are looking at the, uh, the, the mandate of the OSB, investigation is one of it. If thorough investigation was done and the way things went on in the court, do you th- would you say that the, the OSP did a good job? Well, the OSP is not there. I mean, the thing is this. The OSP is not there to declare anybody guilty or not guilty. That's the first thing everybody must understand. Mm. A prosecutor is not a persecutor. And an investigator does not arrive at pre-array conclusions. So, once a report is made, it has a duty to what? Investigate. It is when you investigate that you come to some conclusions. So, you cannot fault the OSP for investigating. If it did not investigate, we will be the same people shouting and crying that this OSP is in bed with the government and is not doing its work and all that. My concern now mm. is that what is the OSP, uh, has the OSP sent the, or transferred the docket to what? To Europe? The information has figures Yoko. that they've done so. Okay, so if you can confirm they've done so, what is Yoko doing? Because remember, the proceeds is what we in the public are interested in. If the proceeds disappear, the investigation is useless. Mm. So within the 72 hour window, has Yoko gone to court to get a court freezing order? That is what we should be. Interested in.
Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Los mejores viajes. Nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. ¡Está bien! So the, the, the court has given the OSP 72 hours to return. So you don't get it. Listen. Yes. Now the matter is with Yoko. Yoko on its own is mandated by its act to get a freezing order on suspected funds that are proceeds of money laundering. Mm. Do you understand? So unless you are telling me, see the thing is this, if we allow within the 72 hours or after the 72 hours, the proceeds to go back to the to the alleged suspect, right, and the money just missing. What are you investigating? So, what we should be interested in is whether Yoko has prepared the necessary documents and is heading to court. You understand to freeze those assets. But I can that 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 action. I'm sure can happen after the OSP has complied with the the directive of the court. That will be a separate. But why do you have to wait? No, you don't have to wait. Yes, but I'm saying that that, that, that that will be a separate action that, that you that's only you can undertake. No, 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 you don't no. have to wait. You see, you see. That's the, the point he's making. No, I'm saying yeah, that these are two independent is. bodies. Yoko no. can 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 Yoko can take the step to to freeze these actions. That is on their own. But for now, the court says that. Yes, listen. At the end of the day, the OSP has come to the conclusion that the monies. And it made a categorical statement. It said the money per its investigations are not offense related, are not corruption offense related matters for which it can investigate. However, its conclusions point to a money laundering, you understand, mm. scheme and some structuring meant to do money laundering. Money laundering falls within the firm ambit of Yoko. Right. Once the matter had been referred to Yoko, before it went to court, Yoko, uh, the OSP went to court today to. Uh, inform the court that 
it was no longer investigating the matters and so it is discontinuing the case. And then the court, of course, will make a consequential order. Release the money. If I'm the lawyer for the accused person, I'll say yes, I want my money back. The OSP had done the state a good service by referring the matter to Yoku. We are expected, that is what I'm asking you, the journalists, to do. Go to Yoko and ask Yoko. You have, number one, have you received the docket? You have confirmed to me that you, you have checked from Yoko. And indeed, have you checked from Yoko to find out whether they have received the docket from uh, the OSP? But the information you have that the, the OSP, they've, they've provided Yoko with all the information that Yoko needs. No, no. I'm asking whether you have checked from Yoko. Yoko is unable to... Whether Yoko is unable to respond to the matter as of now. That is the information we have. Why wouldn't they respond? It's a matter of public knowledge. Mm. If, you, if you put in a right of information request, they cannot deny it. Of course. You have every right to ask them. You are not asking them for the details of the investigation. You are asking them whether the OSP has transferred the docket to you. They will have to confirm. And you must work your sources and find out. The second point is that are they inclined to go for an order to freeze the assets? If those assets are released to the suspect and they get missing, you are wasting your time. Then our fight against corruption is useless. So what do you expect? That's what I'm so 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 council, what, what do you expect to be done within the seventy-two hours that this money is expected to go back to the original owner? I think that the OSP has done very well by referring the matter to Yoko even before it went to court to inform the court formally about the fact that it was no longer conducting investigations into this matter. That means that it has given its sister institution enough time, number one, to study the docket, number two, to proactively go to court and seek a prison order. And they are giving that prison order without even a court order so that they can independently freeze the assets and go to court for confirmation. Mm. And this has to do with what? Money laundering, right. allegedly. Mm. So that is what we are expecting Yoko to do. Any, any, well, I wouldn't say deliberate, but any um, delay. Mm. any delay on the part of Yoko to go to court to get a prison order will defeat the purpose of fighting corruption in this country. Uh, Adam, you wanted to make a point. Well, yeah, I think he's made a point very, very concisely. But the thing is that one would have expected that the OSP has already engaged Yoko, alerted them, prepared them in advance that, you know, our investigations together with the FBI over the last uh, several months, in the last four months especially, points in a particular direction. What that means is that in our jurisdiction, the other jurisdictions where money laundering would have come under the special prosecutor, here it doesn't. So we are going to have to hand this over to you. Uh, we want you to be aware of the facts. And we are going to court to establish that we are handing over, we are terminating our interest and handing over to you. What should have happened by now is that Yoko, seized with the facts, would also prepare to go to court to make sure that all the sums of money potentially tainted based on the money laundering, you know, context, are being frozen. And that's the point that Nis uh, making. I absolutely agree with that. We would have lost the case. Don't remember ABIJ, uh, before we knew it, in between these court processes, the money had disappeared. And then what's the case about? So... We are all expecting that media will start asking that question. Yoko, are you going to court? Mind you, I mean, we are approaching a weekend, and therefore the question is that by Monday, what will we be hearing? Mm. Anything except for having also frozen so that they can also do the investigation. Because no matter where you hand over from one agency to another, that agency too will have to do its background checks and due diligence to arrive at its own conclusions. 
So between now and Monday, the question is, what is going to happen? What is Yoko going to do? In fact, uh, what I can say for sure is that on the part of the OSP, they tell us that they provided all the information and they stand in readiness to assist Yoko if they should need any further information on the investigation they've conducted relating to the subject of money laundering uh, that they have established uh, on Madame Cecilia Dapa. Yoko, uh, they've not confirmed receipt of this. All, all information we have paid from our sources is that they are unable to comment as of now. And so, uh, that's, going, what, that's what is worrying. Mm. <laughs> I wish we could get exactly, the, exactly. exactly. That's what's worrying. How can they not confirm if the docket has been given to them, if the facts have been given to them? What's the difficulty in confirming? In fact, that's the challenge we have with the other anti-corruption agencies. You know, uh, it is why in the OSP law we put that six-month thing. Mm. But all of them should have learned by now that citizens of Ghana prefer that you are upfront with us. You come regularly to a public space and tell us what you are doing. Otherwise, how are you? How is the public service? How are you serving the best interests of this country if you cannot tell us whether you are seized with the facts and you have the docket? That is not the way to go. But, Adam, generally on the, on the way the OSP has conducted itself uh, on this matter and other matters, are you, you, you are an anti-corruption agent. Are you, are you happy with the way it is progressing? I put a question to Mr. Kisir Japan. He says that the day this office is closed down, then we'd have lost the fight against corruption. Well, I'll tell you, the only institution that gives me some hope at the moment, significantly, is the Office of the Special Prosecutor. The only group that seem to be proactive, uh, appear to be not taking sides and objective and focused on getting their job done, and are not afraid to speak to the issues. I mean, uh, uh, I'm not to slight anybody, but I feel like the young people there are showing us that there are people with integrity and honesty who can do the hard work to get results. Mm. If all the other agencies were doing what is going on in the office of the special prosecutor, trust me, I mean, the, the, the impunity we see would have been reduced. But because many of the other places we are not seeing results, we are not getting feedback, uh, people think that, you know, it's a laissez faire. Anybody can do what they want. So, as far as I'm concerned, I think that the OSP has done very well. I am glad that they, to their focus, managed to get the FBI on board. I think that is a very significant uh, achievement to get the FBI on board for them to also do the investigation and provide additional facts that get us in a certain direction. Mm. I think that they should be commended for how far they have come. Council, same question. I mean, some, some few months ago, the, the OSP was in the news accusing some members in the judiciary of frustrating its work. Now, you've, you, you have looked at the half-year report and all the work that is done. Are we on course? Is the fight against corruption within reach? Unfortunately, I didn't hear the question. No, I, I was asking. I mean, you have followed the work of the OSP, and, and some few months ago, the OSP was in the news accusing some members of the judiciary of frustrating uh, its work. And I'm saying that you have also studied uh, the half I'm having a difficulty here. Is it, is it better now? Uh-huh, I can hear you now. Thank you very much. So I was asking, I mean, you followed the, the, the activities of better the now. Very well. You have followed the activities of the special prosecutor. Uh, in October, he was in the news accusing some members of the judiciary of frustrating the work of the OSP. You've read the half-year reports. Are you convinced that we are on the right track in terms of 
dealing with corruption and corruption-related activity, as far as the OSP is concerned. Okay, so this is my this was my reaction back then to issues to do with his um, complaints. Then I said one: the OSP needs to hold dialogue with the judicial service, and I'm ha- I was happy when the judicial service issued a joint communique with the office of the OSP in respect of uh, interinstitutional or is it interinstitutional um, cooperation. But it's important. The second was that I recommended that the rules of court committee needs to look at and look at making specific court rules in respect of the office of the OSP and how it will undertake its prosecutions. It's important. Because you see, the OSP's office is a specialized agency. Number one, it needs its own specialized courts. Number two, its rules, the, 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 the rules or operational rules, how it is supposed to deal with uh, its investigations and also its um, orders, the orders it can seek from the court by to ask to extend its investigations, orders on the freeze and all that, they need to be re-looked at. Because, you see, if the rules are like the normal court rules, what happens is you can actually incapacitate the ability of the OSP to achieve speedy and early resolution of matters. At the same time, you must also balance the rights of the suspects. So I think some of the challenges that he's facing calls for a real look at its operational rules and also the rules of court that it would govern it when it comes to its court-related matters. So those were the major things I called for uh, by way of, you know, institutional reform and legal reform in respect of the work of the OSP. Right. But generally, mm. I think that there's room for improvement. There's room for, you know, um, better communication. There's room for better interagency relations, you know. And I think that and by and large, if we do these things, we can continue to try and defeat the canker of corruption because the day we give up on the fight against corruption, forget it. Ghana is good. All right, thank you very much. Uh, let's end it here. And uh, we are still keeping an eye, we are still uh, working to get you responses from, especially from the EU, called the initial responses that they are unable to comment on this matter. But we do understand that the Office of the Special Prosecutor provided them with all the information, all the documentation that they require. And they've made it clear that they stand in readiness to provide even more should they uh, require of them. So we'll, we'll, we'll check on that. But I'd like to say a very big thank you for joining us uh, as we uh, explore the matters that came up this morning. Uh, Private League uh, practitioner Ni Samuel Papuado and, of course, uh, Adam Senenu with Sen Ghana, an anti-corruption uh, uh, agent. Adam, thank you very much for your time. All right. You are watching the pause here on Joy News. We have other stories, and the Ghana Journalist Association is urging all media houses across the country to cut ties with Awutu Senior East Member of Parliament, Mavis Hawkinson, who is also the Fisheries Minister, and refuse her audience on all media platforms until the perpetrators that attacked the morning show host of Keep FM, David Kobiner, are brought to book. David Kobiner was assaulted by facts believed to be supporters of Madam Hawkinson. On January 4, during the MPP's parliamentary vetum in the central regional capital, Cape Coast, after he was mistaken for a different journalist who the facts claim made distasteful comments 
about the MP on UTV. Having consulted with our partner institutions, including GIBA and PREPAC, as well as senior members of the association and heads of media institutions, the Ghana Journalist Association hereby calls as follows. One, all media houses must give total media blackout to Mavis Awa Kumsin and stay away from her as MP, Minister of State, or any other public capacity and position she may hold. This is because we believe there are attacks on reasonable and evil-minded people around the MP who pose serious threat to the lives of journalists and other media practitioners. I must emphasize that we have nothing against the person of the MP, but we are scared of people around there. Two, the MPP leadership at the national and regional level must endeavor to fish out the tax who assaulted David and sanction them appropriately. Three, the Ghana Police Service must speed up with investigations into the assault case and prosecute the perpetrators. And four, the Ghana Police Service must identify and sanction the purported police officer who invited David and watched on while the innocent morning show host was beaten mercilessly by the tax. Colleagues, our call for total media blackout on Honorable Mavis Awakumsen is with immediate effect and until further notice. We may reconsider it when we see evidence of action by the MPP and the Ghana Police Service to identify, arrest, and prosecute the tax. We are following this case with keen interest, and we shall periodically review it and update the general public on the on same. Colleagues, we urge all media houses to rally behind our call and ensure that it has a biting effect. This call is in our collective interest. Let's bear in mind that there are dangerous people around Honorable Mavis Awakumsen. They can kill you. Whether you are in the studio, home, church, mosque, or public building, they can come for your life. And the Ghana Journalists Association taking a tough, a tough stance against the member of parliament for which is senior is Mavis Howard Kumsen. Now we have in the studio Ohene Kwabena uh, David, the journalist who was Ohene Davis, who was attacked uh, by facts of Madam Howard Kumsen. So, so, so tell me your story. Okay, so um, I'm David Kwabena, mm. but uh, in the media fraternity, I'm known as Ohene Kwame David. Right. Yes. Yeah, so. As we all know, the NPP party um, scheduled on 
4th of January 2024 uh, for the Infantimine and then Eutu Senior East to be vetted at the Regional Coordinating Council there in Cape Coast. And so as media personnel went there to um, capture the story, just after the vetting and maybe the balloting have been done. And so there's a shelter at the RCC. We were uh, seated there waiting patiently for the vetting to be over so that we have that opportunity to interview. Mm. So upon waiting, uh, two ladies came to ask if I'm called, uh, I'm called Jacob. And I said, I'm not Jacob, I'm David. And I also told them I work with KPFM, the morning show host. And then they said, I resemble somebody at UTV. And so we ended the day. Just after 30 to 40 minutes, a gentleman approached me. And then he said he had want to ask me something. And so when I gave him my audience, he asked me in a quiet mood that, was I the guy that was seated at UTV insulting Honorable Howard Kumsi? The same person they are trying to put on you and you deny that you were not that person? Yes. By the, by the lady that came first? Yes. Okay. And then I replied, no, I am not the one. Seriously, I don't know where the premises of UTV is. Mm. I've not been there before. I work with KPFM. And I'm the morning show host for the station. And he insisted that I was the one. But I'm the one. And so I also insisted, of course, I'm not the one. I cannot accept the fact that you are saying I'm the one. And so I showed him my press card. My picture was on it. I, I left it in my bag. Mm. And he was like, no, it's me. So he also brought out... You were still not convinced, even yes. though when you had officially identified yourself with your ID card. Yes. Mm. And he also brought out a phone where there was a picture on the phone. And he showed it to me and asked me, am I not the one? You should look at the picture and look at me. I'm not the one. By all means, you should accept the person you were looking for. Whether you like it or not, you should be the one. That is what he wanted me to do. Mm -hmm. But since I'm not the one, I mean, I cannot claim that I'm you, whereas I'm not you. Mm -hmm. Yes, I have my personality. And so I told you I'm not the one. So upon exchanging words that I'm not the one, the one, then I receive a slap from behind. From a different person? Yes. Turning myself another slap before I realized about 15 bodybuild guys pounded on me and they were beating me all about. And, and, and there was no security like police, the police available at the time? Yeah, they weren't at the premises, I mean the compound. They are only at the checkpoint, mm -hmm. at the entrance of the place, RCC. Mm. And so, yes, they might hear the noise and all that, but they didn't come around. But at the time they subjected you to beating, mm. Some of your colleagues were available. Yeah, I, I was actually standing with about two of them, so we were three at a time. And so when they called me, uh, they were also doing their thing. So after I, I screamed, I was shouting, and then calling them to come before all of them came around and then rescued me. And at the time, the Minister for Fisheries, mm. our commission, was also within the premises, right? Yes, please. He was, she was in the banquet hall. Yes. Uh, waiting for other people to be vetted and then the balloting will take place. Did you see what was going on? Uh, yes, because um, the regional youth organizer, no, the regional organizer, Mr. Antonisaki, called her on phone in front of us 
when he saw what has happened, he said that it was bad, and so the woman need to know. So Anthony Saki called Honorable Kumsin to the police. So upon reaching where we were, she stood and called Anthony Saki to meet her in a distance. And then Anthony Saki told her whatever he would say to her and pointed at me. But Honorable Kumsin didn't come to me. She didn't speak to she you? She didn't speak to She didn't me. intervene? Never. She didn't find out what was going on? And she left. And she left? Yes. So did you suffer any physical injuries? Uh, yes, uh, it was internal. That's what the doctors told me. Mm. It was internal. Yes, I received a, a little cut here, but because it is three weeks ago, it is healed. As I speak with you, I feel pain at my right side and then mine. And did you inform the police about it in terms of official complaint to the police? Yes, that very evening we reported the case at the Kotokara um, Police Station. Reported there. It was then that gave me the doctor's report, that uh, police report rather, that I went to Interbetten mm. for checkup. And what has been the status of the case? Have they made any progress on that? Has anybody been arrested? No. Nobody has been arrested. Has and you are, been, but you are, you are able to identify these, these individuals yeah. that attacked you? We've been able to identify um, two. I mean, the two girls that initially approached me and asked if I'm Jacob, yeah, we've gotten their pictures. Did they take part in the beating? No. But they were there. And then, sorry, the guy that came to call me and that um, he wanted to ask me something. Yes, we've gotten his picture. And then one of the guys that uh, took, part, took part in the beating. Yes. Mm. So we've given the two ladies picture and the other guy that took part in the beating to the uh, CID. And there's not been any progress? Not as far as you are concerned, the police, they've not, not, they not gotten back to you to tell you that this is how far we've gone in your case, these are the arrests we've made, and this is where we are taking it to. Mm. Nothing of a sort. No, they told me I will hear from them. This person they were looking for and came to you mm. saying that that person is you. This person they were looking for, do you know him? I don't know him. Is he your brother? No. Come again. The person they were looking for. The person they were looking yes. for. Yes. Do you know him? Well, I have a brother called Jacob. But I don't know if he is the one they were looking for. You have a brother called Jacob? Yes. And, and, and when they approached you, they mentioned the name Jacob? Yes. No, the, two, the first two ladies that approached me mentioned the name Jacob. But the guy that called, that he wanted to ask me something, asked me if I'm the one who went to sit at UTV insulting on Abu Haukumsi. Mm -hmm. And I refuted it. And this brother of yours, who is called Jacob, did he go on UTV to... to, to never. Stop? He's never been on UTV? No. So what is your description of this whole thing? Well, I can't tell because I provided my ID card to prove that I've not been to UTV before. I don't work with them. And they didn't understand. Maybe he, he wanted to listen to me. This incident took place on the 4th of January. Yes, please. You've made a report to the police. Yes, please. What about the political party? Have they made any attempt to sort of uh, talk to you about it? Okay, that very day that the issue occurred, we uh, had the opportunity to meet uh, Mr. Peter McMenu. He was the chairman for the vetting committee mm -hmm. that day. And so we told him, and then he asked us to wait. But because I was suffering... From the paint, they took me to the hospital, and then uh, Mr. Peter McMahon left 1,400 to be given to me. To as what? 
as money to be taking care of my condition. To money for to take over hospital of your hospital bill. Yes. Thousand four hundred Ghana cities. Yes, please. And so uh, he gave the money to uh, Mr. Blankson. He is the uh, regional communication director for the NPP. And so uh, he told him I wouldn't take the money because it's not up to the bills. And he insisted and pleaded with me that we should take the money and that, if anything, we'll hear from them. You belong to the Central Regional GJ Caucus, right? Yes. Well, what is the position of the, of, of, of the region before we come to what the National has done today? I'm again. I'm asking about the position taken by the Central Regional Branch of the GJ okay. before we come to what the National has done today. Okay, so uh, the Central Regional Branch, I call the Regional Secretary and I give him the update of what has happened. So, I mean, whatever happens, I used to communicate with him. It was him that communicated with the National before they took up the story. And today, the National Office took a decision to boycott all activities uh, relating to Madam Hawa Kumsin. Yes. Yes. And she's also contesting in the upcoming MPP parliamentary primaries in yes. her constituency. Yes. So that is the position that the central region uh, media, your expectations that they will comply with the, with the, with the, with the action taken by, these, by the DJ. We are an organization and we have um, leaders of it. And so uh, I believe that if a decision will be taken, it will be taken in consideration of uh, we the members. Okay, thinking about our health, I mean, our life and everything. So, I think it is the right thing. So, the GDA has taken a very tough stance. Personally, are you sort of seeking compensation or what? What do you expect the police to do? I am only calling for justice. I'm not calling for any compensation. Because, my brother, what has happened to me today can happen to somebody else. Yes. And I wouldn't know what would have happened if I didn't get anybody to help me out. Yes. So I'm only calling for justice. All right. Thank you very much for yes. passing through to share your story with us. You, uh, that's the uh, morning show host of Cape FM. Yes, please. Uh, Kwabina, right? Yeah. Kwabina. Kwabina. <laughs> we pray that uh, at least there will be some resolution on this matter going right. forward because okay. there's been too many attacks on journalists mm. practicing their noble too profession bad. in this country man it's yeah. too bad mm. all right you're still watching the pause here on joy news we're taking a short break we'll be back with more the only thing that 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 sends some 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 jitters in their spine and whatever is the fact that i mentioned arab spring and yesterday one minister was still talking about that despite my acquittal and discharge he thought that i shouldn't do they re and i think that they I are mean, you, the attorney general himself and i heard him speak he yes. says what business has a senior police officer a serving officer yes. staying on a platform and talking about arrow spring does he understand arrow spring if he doesn't he should keep quiet if he doesn't understand arrow spring he should keep quiet but he's a lawyer he's, he's, he's a, a lawyer attorney. but being a lawyer doesn't mean that you know everything you can be a lawyer and be an ignorant you be an ignoramus in an area i teach conflict do you understand me? I told you I teach conflict at even Enfield level. I teach it at Kofiana, I teach it at all level. Arab Spring or civil uprising and other things are democratic means of expressing dissent in every society. Today we, we, we espouse people like uh, uh, Martin Luther King and other things. Why are we espousing them? But we knew in 2011 yes. that these things led to the removal of governments 
Tunisia, for example, is clear. The other countries within the Arab regions. That, the, 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 the explicit definition yes. and appreciation. You of are him. talking about explicit definition. Yeah. That is common knowledge. Yes. But when you look at Arab Spring, it is like any other spontaneous demonstration by citizens to express their, their dissatisfaction. Which, in the reality and the examples... If it leads to the fact that a government decides that... Do you know that we can... Could have led to uh, Rollins saying that, okay, I've resigned. Could it have been called Arab Spring? Preku in Ghana. I'm not sure. Could have been... Could have, could have, could have led to... Rollins saying, okay, I've resigned. Once the VAT has been defeated and other things have resigned. When you go to the literature, go and Google it anywhere. Be careful you don't go to Wikipedia. I get that. Because when you go to Wikipedia, Wikipedia will give you some definition of a rebellion, a mutiny, and other things. And I proved to the uh, prosecution in court that when they need a definition to issues, they should not go to Wikipedia. Because they came out with a Wikipedia definition which I, I, I drew their attention to. And they could not talk about it again. So go you mean to the attorney general. The, of their I'm, I'm saying the prosecution team. Okay, all right. Whoever was representing them, and it's on record. I can produce. It's a court record, and I can give you. But give that you, should be very uh, strange. I mean, yes. So at the end of the day, you come to appreciate the fact that when you go to Wikipedia definition, it will tell you it's a mutiny. It is so so and so. But go to other definitions which are acceptable in academia, because when you quote today, you quote Wikipedia definitions. In, in, in academia, in the universities, they will not take you seriously. I get it. I know that. So, 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 so every so, student of an university would know that. that that's basically. So I'm that. saying that when you want to know the real definition of Arab Spring, don't go to Wikipedia. Go to other sources and it will tell you the real meaning of it. And you say that's what they confronted you with, a Wikipedia definition of yeah, it. A Wikipedia definition, they are under, myopic understanding of that term. And that is what they confront. And that's what they have held on to till today. And that's what Attorney General is still holding on to. He should go and learn. He should go and learn. Because he's not dealing with just people. He's dealing with people who have also climbed the ladder somewhere. I get that. What exactly did you say about Arab Spring? Look, during one of our conversations, um, 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 Dr. McPam asked me, the way he, the question was simple what do i think about arab spring and i expressed my opinion and i told him that look the seed of arab spring has been sown in ghana we are waiting for the triggers and i began to tell him about some of the challenges but before that i had expressed similar opinion on a letter with adam Buna. you can find out from adam Buna. I had expressed let's say WhatsApp platform. Oh, okay. A different WhatsApp platform. A different WhatsApp platform which Dr. Nyahuma Cruz Tamukla said that a, 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 a civil uprising was imminent in Ghana. And then to get jittery about it. And then I explained that what, what is the jittery about this when people mention Arab Spring and the, the, the civil uprising? I mean, these are common issues that are being dealt with elsewhere every day and it's a civil way of showing dissent and other things and i express the same thing over there i don't want to mention any because it will trigger another thing get you but at the end of the day a minister of state on the platform took me on and said you bring me to order and that was the beginning of my problem a minister of state on that platform 
And Adam Bona knows that minister very well. I don't want to mention his name at all. In all fairness, since you've just mentioned ministers, and there are several of them, it will be fair if you let us know who is... Dominic Nitiwu. Dominic oh, Nitiwu. The minister of defense, who doesn't understand what Arab uh, civil uprising is, and who doesn't understand what Arab Spring is, said openly on the, uh, on the platform that he was going to take me on. The defense minister was telling a senior police officer he, he was going to take me and he wrote it on the platform and I have a copy of it and 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 Adam Bona confronted him over it and asked him to be very careful the way he he, he confronts people on the platform so that was the beginning of my ordeal and because of that and don't forget this whole thing started with defense intelligence defense intelligence under the auspices of the defense minister so when he said he was going to take me on, he was going to bring me to order, he had already initiated it. And that's Dr. Benjamin Agbojo. He was acquitted and discharged by the court yesterday. Uh, he was actually in court facing uh, charges of treason. Six other individuals, however, they've been sentenced to death by hanging. And the lawyers have indicated that they will appeal the decision of the court. But he's been telling his story. And in fact, at 6 uh, p.m. here on Upfront with Raymond Aqua, you get to hear more because we're going to bring you the full interview and our uh, conversation with Dr. Benjamin Agbojo at 6 on Upfront. And of course, you can as well listen to it on Joy 99.7 FM, Top Story, and on Newsnight as well. But let's come back home and let's talk about education because the Ghana National Education Campaign Coalition is calling for peace in areas plagued with conflict to ensure the protection of fundamental rights to education of children in these areas. Speaking at an event to mark International Day for Education, Chairman of GINEC, Kwesi Oyeye, stressed the need to safeguard the fundamental rights of children because education, according to him, is not a mere commodity. There's more in this report. According to the United Nations, education is a human right, a public good, and a public responsibility. In light of this, a declared 24th January as International Day of Education in celebration of the role of education for peace and development. This year's commemoration is under the theme, Learning for Lust and Peace. It comes on the back of the reported cases of violence and incidents of insecurity in some communities across all over the world, including Ghana, which does disrupted the peace needed to ensure the promotion of children's fundamental rights to education. Educationists believe there's a significant link between access to basic needs for learners and their personal development. This, they say, has hinged on peace. As Ghana enters an electionary season, GNEC is advocating the right of every child to education devoid of any form of violence. But for our initiative to create Development around peace. We always ensure that learning outcomes are always achieved. And that is why I'm sure we have a lot of and the millions of dollars channeled into Gallup. But are we monitoring Gallup? If we are not doing that, we are bringing instability in the peace of education. GNEC referenced recent happenings in Boko in the Upper East region and in Qantas South in the Oti regions where several lives have been lost as a result, leaving others with varying degrees of injuries. Some schools in both communities were shut down as a result, compelling children and teachers to stay away from the classroom. 
GNEC, calls for tangible actions urging state actors to prioritize a violence-free environment, ensuring that every child can safely access education. Unfortunately, we have small pockets of conflicts, which are ethnic conflicts that are affecting the continuous learning environment for our learners. And this does not occur very well with us. There are pockets of uh, incidents that really emanate from the top processes, conversations that are discussed from politicians. And I'm saying this emphatically because experts within the security environment and educational environment have stated time without number that this problem can be resolved in the case of Boku over since 1960 thereabout to now it can be resolved and it is only governments upon government that come each time that try to do a kind of cosmetic address of the issue and therefore if there is a judgment to that effect which the Supreme Court has delivered it is expected that all parties would yield to that. The theme, Learning for Lasting Peace, is aimed at triggering national call for a collective effort to safeguard the future of Ghana's children, and for that matter, the world at large. Karen Oppen's report, read to you. And Mr. Kwesio Yi, he's the Greater Accra Regional Chair of GNEC. He's also the Senior Officer in Education and Professional Development Division with Nats, and he joins me here in the service. So you, you're welcome. Thank you. So now that you are more interested in... Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Conflict areas and how that is impacting the lives of children who are of school-going age. Let's start from Boko. What is your monitoring telling you? Okay, so the intel that we are picking is that uh, there is relative calmness within the school environment. Mm. So school sections are actually ongoing. And then the teachers are going to school, school children are going to school. But however, we want the security uh, apparatus to intensify their intelligence in order to surmise any kind of uh, incidents that will come from anywhere. Because that is very important for the safe school environment and for the continuous uh, uh, study of these learners and their facilitators together. I ask because we, we know that in Bogu, for example, some state institutions, they've closed down their offices because of the insecurity situation there. Senate, this week, small arms commission that relocated all their staff to, uh, to other parts of the country from Boko. We know that some banks, a lot of state institutions and private, private institutions, they've moved out of Boko because it is simply not safe to continue to stay there because of the the conflict uh, is it is that you understand it that in terms of schooling it's not affected much yes yeah, so uh, it's unfortunate in the first place for state institutions that provide service directly and indirectly to the community and the learners and their facilitators are even living leaving the children in the community we have to know as a country that schools 
belong to communities. And the people who matter that try to inflict passion or cause violence or any form of aggression within the communities are also human beings that have grown right from toddler stage to adulthood. Incidentally, when they transit from one basic education to the secondary, and possibly for some of them, with by then of hard work or so, transit to the tertiary, they all come to work within the school environment. Mm. And these are the people that need to speak to peace and to ensure that there is relative peace within the school environment. Because, you see, we want the school to be safe. Mm-hmm. Once the school is safe, teachers will be safe to work. Remember, teachers working in these environs are not indigenous from those areas alone. You have teachers that are coming from other parts of the country serving within this community. So it's very important to ensure that there is always total and quality peace within but, 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 but do you have information that teachers are working or some have left? So as we speak right now, our teachers are post. But we are saying that there should be improved security and intelligence on the ground to ensure that we do not have any form of uh, conflict arising in the area. Because that actually uh, uh, truncates educational development as we are talking about. Mm-hmm. We don't want to truncate the education of our young ones because... We have a policy that says that our children cannot wait. So if the children cannot wait each day, what it means is that they have to go to school to engage Mm -hmm. and be taught. And they have to grow through the process, develop. They need to be nurtured and taught. But in doing this, we need peace in order to ensure that this learning atmosphere is quite serene. Mm. Beyond Boko, I know that sometimes there are reported cases of violence in other parts of the country. Uh, to what extent does this affect the total development of the Ghanaian church, especially those that are caught up in these conflict areas? So I'll once again come back to say that the school environment should be safe. It should be safe because our children belong to us in those communities. So those who try to find passions of small pockets of violence are people that have also gone through the school environment, have gone through the confines of school. And we expect that they are able to control their passion, no matter what it is, either political, economic issues, or ethnic issues. We need to let our emotional intelligence speak to us. And that is why, as we speak now, with the current uh, standard-based curriculum, and the, uh, the SHS curriculum that is coming up and the uh, Common Core, what have been put in there also is soft skills, mm-hmm. where we ensure that this time, practically, these are intangible soft skills, like tolerance, like uh, trying to uh, understand each other, trying to engage in public speaking, trying to also advocate, trying to respect other people's opinion Mm -hmm. and all these things that we have put in there for the learners to learn Mm -hmm. which is facilitated by the teachers these are also enshrined in our constitution and other legislation within the district assembly environment so we want to call once again on all those who matter especially children are innocent facilitators as teachers are innocent and so those who matter especially politicians and other community leaders to ensure that we have relative peace within the school environment. 
But beyond the sometimes these tribal and ethnic violence that we report on, what are some of the other factors that is inhibiting the, the, the sound development of, of, of our kids in schools? So I will basically talk about the school and the community relationship. Mm -hmm. So we have said that it is the communities that own the school, but we have state agencies like Ghana Education Service and other auxiliary agencies of the Ministry of Education that ensure that we fast track processes of learning within the school environment. However, sometimes you have just small conflicts like community people wanting to come and play on the school field. Right. It's become an issue now. It becomes a big a, a, issue. A lot of school, school parks being taken away by private developers. Unbelievable. Mm -hmm. And you even have sometimes schools that are a bit distant away from the communities. You have community members going in there to defecate in the schools, in the classrooms. And they do not care. It's just because possibly they do not have any better places of but, 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 but the school can never be your place of convenience. Of course, but these are people that we are also saying that either they have continued the education or are still in education, have passed through the walls of the school. Yet they forget that some kind of knowledge, they have acquired some knowledge because the teachers have ensured that things within the curriculum that go to build their whole personality aside the knowledge and skills that is acquired and the soft skills that we are talking about they try to imbibe them. But what happens? We want to ensure that we put ourselves together to be emotionally intelligent and not to destabilize the school environment. Mm. I went to a school, Rage Experimental. I mean, the last time I went there, the, basically the entire school compound has been taken over by private development. The school PTA, they protested. They have petitioned the regional coordinating council to do something about it. The, 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 the matter remains unresolved. And the lives of these kids are threatened every day by development. And sometimes you wonder, and this is a public school, sometimes you wonder the level of protection the state gives to children. Because in, in other countries, it is supreme. Sure. When they come here, it's like you're on your own. Yeah. What is GNEC doing in this direction? Uh, so GNEC as a civil society group is a civil society group of over 40 different uh, NGOs, including the uh, CBOs. And uh, uh, you also have the Ghana National Association of Teachers also part of uh, GNEC. We have some objectives to ensure that the Ghanaian child goes to school, basically, and to acquire knowledge and skills to transform himself and society. However, one of the key issues we have been advocating for is that where we have the Ministry of Education allocating funding for resources within the school, i.e. captation grant, uh, school, feeding. school feeding, which is a big issue mm -hmm. in terms of uh, and other issues like the school infrastructure, provision of taxes, then refurbishment of dilapidated schools, and even, come to think about it, the basis books, pencil, erases. You go to places, children do not have this, no they do not have relative peace. <laughs> sometimes it, it actually looks like punishment to go to a public school. Of course, but it's unfortunate. As I speak to you, our public schools are the best schools in Ghana now because you have teachers that are well-trained, they have degrees, they have their second degrees, and some are even offering PhD. Mm -hmm. So as we speak, we want the kind of expertise that the teachers have acquired 
to imbibe them into the children because we want to have a new look for Ghana. Of course. But the new look for Ghana means that our children have to be safe and sound. And within their learning space, they have to have relative peace mm. and not a kind of conflict or confusion within their mind. And are you getting solution to these concerns? Yeah, but the advocacy is key on the ground. Mm -hmm. Incidentally, as a civil society group, sometimes we are confronted with funding. Of course. And so we expect that one of the things that the uh, Britain Wood institutions or the donor agency would have to be doing is to also redirect funds to civil society groups to ensure that the advocacy is strong. We monitor government projects on the ground. For instance, we talk about Gallup, the Ghana Learning Accountability Project, which the uh, World Bank has giving the government of Ghana millions of dollars to ensure that we have accountability and quality of education improved. Mm -hmm. But civil society group is limited in trying to go down there and do the monitoring. So though we are doing it, it's not on a holistic scale, but gradually we go, we get, develop our own instrument, collect data, analyze it, and then we share this data with government and the World Bank to get to know what is happening. But, but have, you taken, have you taken this advocacy to the ministry? Yes, of course. We, uh, NEC is already part of the, uh, uh, the National Education mm -hmm. Steering Committee. And mm -hmm. therefore, we have the national chair in the person of Mr. Joseph Romaji. Mm -hmm. That is part of that team. So there are some of the issues we table. But as a group, we still go down together with our affiliates, our defects within the communities to ensure that the teaching and learning process within our learning environment is sound and safe. So our key, one of the key goals is to ensure our children or school going in are safe. Yes, we know we have close to about one million mm -hmm. of students out of school, learners out of school, but we are and what's the reason for them being out of school? Yeah, but uh, because education at the public level is free. Yes, yes. Sometimes you have migrant parents. Okay. You also have parents that do not actually have. When you talk about the core poor, we have parents in Ghana today that cannot afford three square meals for their children. And the, the, the school is supposed to provide meals for every child. The access to education is free. So the excuse. Of course, uh, if you talk about the school feeding program, is a big. No, for us. Mm. Now, what is happening even within that sector? The school feeding program came as an intervention to help the learners to nourish, first of all, their brain. And to encourage people to actually go to school. To go to school, of course. That's the flip side mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. So, But incidentally, you have politicians that would like to trumpet and say, oh, this intervention has increased school enrollment. But that is not what we are looking at. We are looking at what goes into the learning output mm -hmm. of the child, for the child to be stable in the school. But incidentally, the school feeding is nothing to write home about. You know, in Ghana now, government is owning the caterers. Yeah. And they cannot speak about it because they are party folks that have been given small jobs to do. However, it is only civil society group that can speak to these issues and ensure that, look, interventions that are good, that are working, have to be continued. So why not support us to work very hard and ensure that these feeding being provided to the learners are of quality. One good balanced diet for these our children will go a long way to develop their, their brains and to stabilize them in school and 
we will we'll have a very good uh, career progression for these children in the school. Before I let you go, your final words as we wrap up on this. Yeah, so I would like to say that yeah, um, we actually are within the period of uh, uh, International Day of Education, mm -hmm. which is always celebrated on 24th uh, January globally. So in Ghana, the Ghana National Education Campaign Coalition, together with Renault Ghana Foundation, in collaboration with World Bank, celebrated that yesterday. Mm -hmm. And then the theme was... Uh, learning for lasting peace. So we are saying that even though we are saying we are teaching mm -hmm. and facilitating learning in the school environment, we want relative peace for the children so that all those kind of confusions and things get out. And the teachers themselves must also be emotionally stable. But in doing all these things, we cannot leave our social settings, the communities in which the school environment is situated, mm -hmm. to ensure that community members also keep the peace. But as we go to election to the polls, we expect and crave the indulgence of politicians that we are pleading with them. People that make hate speech because they are paid for mm -hmm. have to stop. Because where school processes are truncated, the school environment is truncated, is discontinued because of violence and conflict, then it means that our children have to leave the environment. And unfortunately, sometimes our teachers are also caught in the process. Some are men. And unfortunately, in the last uh, conflict that erupted in OT, a teacher lost a life. So that's sad. Yes, that's quite sad. So we are, we are praying and calling upon all politicians and state actors to ensure that we have relative peace within the school environment mm -hmm. because the year is still ripe. And we are saying that the theme for the Global International Education Week is uh, learning for lasting peace. Okay. And therefore, this has to remain in the minds of all learners, all facilitators, all politicians, and everybody as a whole. All right. I'd like to say thank you very much, Mr. Kwesi Ayeyi, for Oye. coming to Oyeyi. Uh, he is the Greater Accra Regional Chairman of the Ghana National Education Campaign Coalition, and they are advocating for safe environment for uh, our, our children uh, to learn, and of course, in harmony as well. You're still watching the polls here on Joy News. And we'll take a short break. When we'll come back, we will go to the election headquarters because it's getting really interesting. Stay on.
So from education, let's turn attention to the environment and, of course, health. The environmental officer at the second Itakwadi Metropolitan Assembly, Abdul Karim Hudu, says the assembly will embark on a massive typhoid vaccination for all food vendors in the metropolis to rid the metro of the disease. Speaking to Joy News on the one of the STMA Joy News called Operation Clean Your Environment campaign, he explained a screening done for most food vendors on typhoid showed positive hence the need for the vaccination correspondent in Natalia Kwanza, who joined the team and has come through with this report. The second Itakradi Metropolitan Assembly through the EU-funded Twin Cities in Sustainable Partnership Project in collaboration with Joy News has commenced the unannounced visit to inspect the sanitary condition of households and commercial facilities in the metropolis as part of the campaign dubbed Operation Clean Your Surroundings. From now up to middle of the year, we'll be visiting various um, communities is unannounced to inspect various um, four joint um, public toilet facilities, uh, households, and um, a host of others. Um, I will be going to the hotels and then the restaurants as well. So um, this is basically to remind the public of their responsibility to make sure that they keep their soundings clean, make sure that uh, you know they they work in accordance with standards that the assembly true environmental health has given them um, to follow. So that's basically what uh, you know this campaign is all about. So we'll be again going out uh, unannounced. Uh, the next um, will be at the second summit and then our next visit will be um And what we plan doing is that we're following up um, to some of the areas where we visited today and we'll be visiting for the next two um, meetings. The program started from the Takradi sub-metro with visits to eight food preparation and vending points, two public places of convenience, two bakeries, a flour mill, a drinking bar and transport terminal. The nuisance found include lack of standard dustbin, exposed foods to seal, to dust and flies, insanitary drains with refuse preparing food under insanitary condition, selling food without medical certificates of fitness, accumulation of particles packed hazardly, which is likely to harbor reptiles, rodents, and cause accidents on premises. The tax force headed by the Metro Environmental Health Officer Abdul Karim Hudu issued caution notice to operators of some facilities visited. Operation clean your surroundings. That's what we have started for the SCMA Twin City uh, uh, initiative. Our aim is to come out and then look at uh, environment issue, environmental issues in eating premises and then uh, advise, caution them so that next time when we come, we wouldn't leave them. So far, we have gone to uh, nine eating premises. This includes uh, two chop bars, uh, food vendors, uh, eats. Then we have gone to two public toilets. The major issues were, the first one is a medical cart that they are supposed to go to hospital and then hospital will declare them fit. Most of them, 
were not having it. Some have it and the 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 cash expired. So those ones too we have advised them to go and do it so that we'll come back and check. If they don't do it, then we'll close down their their uh, food premises or the job bus. Let's get uh, some reaction to this matter in a brief chat with the uh, PRO for the second Itakwade Metropolitan Assembly, John Lecha. John, you're welcome to the pause here on Join Us. I'm, I'm, I'm curious, why has it taken this long? Or is this something that we do periodically? Because I would assume that, I mean, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be having this issue, knowing very well that people patronize some of these foods on the market. And to think that some of them uh, have issues with, with typhoid, that's more dangerous for the consumer. Yeah, thank you very much, Elton. Uh, yes, um, this program that yeah, this program that we've been doing, and um, as you may be aware, uh, sanitary condition has been an issue of concern to uh, the general public. Uh, so, as assembly, uh, over the years, uh, put in place measures to make sure that uh, people, uh, you know, identify themselves to their responsibilities to make sure that um, they keep their surroundings clean. Mm-hmm. And um, you remember recently, uh, you know, the government had introduced uh, regular uh, sanitation dependencies. These are some of initiatives that over the years, you know, the Assembly has also implemented to make sure that, you know, we draw the public attention to uh, cleanliness. Um, yes, um, we are embarked on this um, campaign because we believe that it's time that we have to make sure we enforce the bylaws. Uh, we remind Responsibilities to keep their environment clean. Uh, finally, for us in Itakwadi, uh, through a project that we are implementing uh, called Twin Cities Sustainable Partnership, uh, being funded by EU, um, they've given us some funds to make sure that we embark on this exercise to alert the public, you know, to know the dangers in in sanitary conditions. And uh, that's the reason why this time uh, the Assembly has set up this task force to make sure that they go around. Um, get the public uh, to clean their surroundings in order to make sure that we prevent some of these uh, communicable illness that will be reported in the metropolis. But uh, how, how widespread is this on the market? Widespread? Yes, I'm asking if this is so widespread in the market. Oh, well, yes. Um, uh, I mean, we've been monitoring reports from uh, various um, health centers and other uh, facilities that you know we know that um, the issue of typhoid, you know, has become an issue within a metropolis. Uh, what it means is that, uh, you know, um, other service providers have not been up to task. So, you know, making sure that people get this illness and have to report to uh, health facilities. And that's the reason why, you know, we are making sure that we extend this uh, campaign throughout the whole metropolis uh, to make sure that um, we cannot relate it totally. Mm-hmm. We are not too sure, at least... Uh, to reduce it to the to, to, to the best minimum. But you were out today. That's how it went. Well, as usual, we visited um, um, some um, locations. Uh, we visited some uh, eateries. We visited uh, corn mills. We uh, visited, uh, inspected the taxi terminal, and then also uh, the secondary uh, market. Sorry, the secondary um, commercial vehicle terminal. Uh, indeed, um, Elson, I mean, it informs us or, you know, uh, give us all the indication that we have a lot of work to do. You know, the um, majority of our people out there 
seems uh, to relax when it comes to their responsibility on environmental sanitation. Really today as well, we issued some notices to members of the public. Uh, they've been giving um, caution. We're going back to the same um, facilities in the coming weeks uh, to make sure that uh, they've really followed the instructions given them. Um, in fact, with our initial outings, we, are, we don't intend to um, prosecute our arrests. We are using uh, our initial outings to educate and also um, uh, direct the public or those who be found to, you know, uh, have issues to, to to put their house in shape. And if they don't, and, um, they don't. So, come again. If they don't, if they do not, yes, they, they, that, is when, that is when the, the arrest and prosecution will come in. That's when the arrest and prosecution will come in. So we've made them aware that we'll be coming back, and again, you won't tell them when we'll be coming. Mm-hmm. And uh, once we we come and uh, so you know we we, we are not satisfied with uh, what you have done. Definitely, then we have to send you to court and prosecute you in line with our bylaws and um, for court to determine what what uh, your facility we should do. Your facility, either we should close it down. Um, that one, the court will have to determine. So yes, at a point, we we'll definitely arrest and prosecute. But John, so 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 for those diagnosed with typhoid, what happens to them? Will you ensure that they are not back at the market? Are you ensuring that they go through the proper treatment? Actually, the, the, the typhoid um, cases normally, you know, are from, um, let me say, consumers of, uh, you know, some um, food that, that probably you cannot, uh, for now, you know, know where, where they bought those um, food or whatever they, they bought them. But um, for, for the, the, the vendors, um, those who don't have the medical certificate, uh, we, we, we are making sure that they go through um, the process for them to be certified by by medical a medical doctor to ensure that they're healthy to sell prepare food uh, within the metropolis so yes sure so john lecher is the public relations officer uh with the uh second Italian metropolitan assembly i think we've lost him john i i i are you there yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now loud and clear. So, uh, so what next? What, what, when are you going out? Well, um, okay, like I said earlier on, um, for our schedule, um, we, we don't announce the date. Um, okay. Because, yes, we don't want them to know when the team will be coming. So, um, but I can tell you that our next visit will be the Escada Ketan Submetro. But we schedule ourselves um, that we're visiting the three submetros we have within the metropolis, you know. Um, we've, we visited a crowd, we visited second day, so the next will be Skadikatan Submetro. But as to the time and then the, the, the specific location that we cannot communicate, that one will be determined that very day that we're going out. All right, I, 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 I would like to say thank you very much, and we are with you on this exercise to ensure cleanliness and healthy uh, second day Takrade. This we, 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 are, we are on board as part of the cleanup exercise. Uh, that you, the assembly is undertaking, and we'll be with you. Every thank, thank you very much. And let me, uh, let me also use the opportunity to also, um, on behalf of my West, we thank um, multimedia and join us especially for partnering the assembly for this uh, for this course. And we thank you very much. All right, thank you very much, uh, uh, Mr. John Lecha. He's the public relations officer with the Second Day Takura Day Metropolitan Assembly. Well, that's it for today's edition of the pulse uh here on join us we're back tomorrow friday to wrap it up for the week my name is elton but we have more stories on my joy online.com but on radio at, at 5 30 
We have talked story with Evan Spencer. He's looking at the OSP decision to discontinue all cases uh, against Madam Cecilia Dapal. We will explore it with other people. We'll have a response from Yoko as well. We have more of that also on Joy News Prime at 7 p.m. But between 6 and 7, it is upfront. You don't want to miss the story of Dr. Benjamin Aguero. He, he, he had a sit down with my colleague, Newman Aqua, to tell his story and then to give you more insight on what went through his head at the time he was facing uh, the death uh, sentence. That's it tomorrow we'll meet. Have a good evening.